began to preach. And I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost began to fall. Hallelujah. And there were people who came running to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Naked Pentecostalism. I'm your host, Isaac Coverstone. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Today, uh, we're going to go over the textbook Doctrine 3. We're going to focus on the section called Tithing. And I apologize for the ex- uh, excessive delay since the last episode. Uh, I've actually had the last couple weeks just kind of taking a vacation off work and enjoying some relaxation. So time to get back into the rhythm of things. So my previous um, congregation, for lack of a better word, uh, they taught fairly extensively from the, um, they really clung to the Texas Bible College philosophy, which is a rather fundamentalist Pentecostal group. And part of that is tithing. They, they really taught a literal interpretation that people in the modern church, uh, New Testament church, should follow the guidelines of the law. They, they taught the Abrahamic tithing should be followed by modern believers, which is not a view shared by, you know, 95% of all other Christianity. So what I want to do is get into their textbook and show where they're making errors in judgment to justify this this teaching that's just um, clearly wrong. So <coughs> what we want to focus on is the New Testament part of uh, what the Bible teaches since obviously there's um that's where the error is occurring and just to keep the episode from getting ridiculously long because it is a subject that we would if we really dug through the entire old testament history aspect of it we would be getting into some uh, deep territory so i'm just going to blast through this and go through the actual references they give and in the read from the textbook this is what they're trying to propose and somehow they're pulling this off as a college level textbook here which is just absurd but anyway so let's begin this is um now this is from textbook uh, called doctrine three covers a lot of different aspects um angels and demons and other things but we're kind of focusing on this just because it's an issue that I think is uh, where the most error lies so this is called section 5 tithing in the New Testament and point A right off the bat they say Christ taught it (laughs) so the first reference they give is Matthew 23 23 which is from the seven woes on the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And literally verse 23 is, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin. You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. 
So, to say that Matthew 23-23 says Christ taught it, he's literally just repeating um, what these Pharisees are doing. He's, he's not by any means saying, hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, uh, you guys should keep doing this. He's just saying, you guys give a tenth on these little insignificant things and you're neglecting these more important issues. So literally, this is by no means a proof text that someone in the New Testament um, dispensation, if that's the word you want to use, should be following the Old Testament law of tithing. This is just completely inapplicable. And so it definitely does not deserve to be in this position uh, as far as in the textbook. Then they immediately also quote Luke 11.42, which is the same, um, basically the same story. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So this is at least a little bit closer saying, hey, um, yeah, that's great. Go ahead and keep tithing on, on the garden herbs, but don't neglect these other issues. So at least compared to Matthew, we have some kind of an indication that he's saying tithing should be followed. However, he's still speaking to the Pharisees. These are these are Jews, and they are still following the law. There is no real indication at this point in time that there's anything different going on, that there's any, you know, change or whatever. So literally, this is, this should be phrased as, instead of tithing the New Testament, this should be saying Christ taught that the Jews should follow their own guidelines. You know, that's, it, it, it's completely taken out of, out of context, and so it, they, the way this is formatted in the textbook, it's just like a shotgun of all these different references, and they're not really adequately explained or, or put into context. So then they also say, compare Matthew 10.10. Um, 10. Uh, I'm not going to list every single reference because it's, it's a little bit ridiculous, um, but just to give a highlight here, Matthew 10.10 10 is saying... Um, don't carry cash with you, basically. Uh, no bag for your journey, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Um, the New Living Translation is, don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality, because those who work deserve to be fed. Really, it's it's... It's just saying you don't need to be prepared for anything. Just, just go out there and do your job. Go out in and, and carry the message of the gospel. And <coughs> the point is that the people that you're teaching are going to su support you. They're going to provide everything that you're going to need. So you don't need to plan ahead. Uh, there's problems with that concept, but basically this is not even remotely close to some concept of tithing this is just like hey the apostles are gonna rely on the hospitality of the believers as they travel great that that 
doesn't provide any kind of a command for the believers to be tithing, just that they, you know, provide dinner for the preacher once in a while. That's basically all that's saying. They also say Luke 10, 7 through 8 here, which is, to quote that from New International Version, it says, um, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And in the context of the rest of this verse, it's, I believe it's the same context as Matthew 10, where it's really just about send out two by two and go and teach the gospel and blah, blah, blah. And again, it's the same thing where it's, it's about hospitality and you're, you're basically just saying, don't take a purse or a bag with you, but just go out and rely on other people to provide your meals and your place to stay and whatever else. Same concept, absolutely nothing to do with tithing. Um, then they go on to Luke 16, 16, which is the law and the prophets were unto until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. This is from the King James Version. So what's concerning is this is really a very esoteric verse. There's, it's not understood entirely what is meant by this. Um, every man presses into it. Uh, if we jump to a different version, uh, we can go to we'll go to the Living Bible just for the for the fun of it. So reading the same section here until john the baptist began to preach the laws of moses and the messengers of the prophets were your guides but john introduced the good news that the kingdom of god would come soon and now eager multitudes are pressing in so this is the living bible's attempt to spin this and make it a little bit easier to grasp and really the textbook is saying um this is Christ teaching tithing. And yet we go through this entire chapter and there's, um, it's this section is sandwiched between two parables. One is about a, a faithful steward who does some creative accounting with some debt. And then there's a, a story about the, uh, the Lazarus going to hell and the whole thing about the rich young ruler uh, wanting Lazarus to leave hell and or to leave the Abraham's bosom and bring him a drop of water and then right in the middle between these two parables is is this statement that the Pharisees and this is verse 14 the Pharisees who dearly loved their money naturally scoffed at all this and so then he goes into this whole diatribe of that their piety in public is a abomination in the sight of God. And then he throws in this concept that, hey, now there's, there's a new message, so to speak, and there's tons of people that want to get into it. Um, now, verse 17 is where it gets interesting. And that's really, forget it from the Living Bible, but that doesn't mean that the law has lost its force and even the smallest point is as strong and unshakable as heaven and earth. And in the King James, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit interesting. 
it basically says it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. So you could take that to mean that the entire Old Testament law is still in effect, which would be correct at that point, given that, at least in the Pentecostal uh, groups, and maybe in a few others, they always taught that the Abrahamic law was still in effect, or the law of Moses, however that, however that falls into category, um, was still taking place, was still being utilized up until the actual crucifixion and resurrection. But still, to say that this means people in the New Dispensation, in the New Testament, are going to follow the law, that's saying something completely different. So, that was kind of a wandering, meandering um, way to say this is really taken out of context. To look at this chapter 16 of Luke and say this teaches that tithing is applicable in the New Testament is just wrong. I, I, I can't find a way to justify putting that into this part of the textbook. It, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. So, moving on to... Um, let's see. So, the next section they have here is just Paul taught it. So, tithing in the New Testament. Christ taught it. No, he didn't. There's uh, all the references they provided anyway are totally taken out of context. So now they're saying Paul taught it. And then this is all the stuff that they're saying to uh, support that concept. God's ordained support for the church, particularly for the ministry. Okay. And so they quote 1 Corinthians 9, 7 through 14. Uh, this is speaking of Paul's rights as an apostle. Um, he is saying here in verse uh, chapter 9, Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? And um, Even though I am not an apostle to others, surely I am to you, and blah, blah, blah. We start in verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. It is, a, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have shown, sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? And so he's really going into this concept that preachers should be supported by the congregation. I don't think anybody is necessarily uh, debating that. You know, it, it, what's interesting is you go into verse 15, which they specifically do not quote from the textbook, and Paul's saying, but I have not used any of these rights, um, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. And, and he's, he's then saying, look, um, in a, in a perfect situation, the preacher should be supported by the congregation. By the way, I don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> and it, it, it's really, 
you know, yeah, it's common sense that the preacher gets supported by an offering. That's great. Nothing in this section is referring to a tithe. Nothing is referring to a fixed amount of money or any kind of, you know, hey, you need to be, you need to pay exactly 10%. There's, there's really just this vague concept that, hey, people that are working in this field need to be supported. Great. And then, by the way, I don't get that kind of support and I want to keep it that way. So to say that Paul taught tithing, this is just completely wrong. I mean, I, I don't see how they're even remotely justifying it. Um, then they also quote 1 Timothy six seventeen through 18, uh, which says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to be to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Uh, great. So, <laughs> this is really just a shot at at wealthy people and saying, hey, look, just just share the love, you know, be a little generous. There's nothing in this, even in context, looking at the other parts of this chapter, we don't really see how this has anything to do with um, with tithing. It's, it's really, we even go back to verse 9, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. Uh, verse 10, for the love of money is a root, a root of all kinds of evil. Uh, it's often misquoted as uh, love of money, or money is the root of all evil, but really it's the love of money, a root, all kinds of evil. <laughs> and so it makes a little more sense when it's directly quoted accurately. But really that's the context is just, hey, look, this is about, you know, don't be hoarding all your cash for the love of money, nothing to do with tithing. Like, this does not belong here. So, just in this short section that we've gone through the textbook, we can already see, I mean, there's just horrible errors of interpretation and judgment being used. And, yeah, let's keep going. So, teachers are to be supported. This is uh, the next point under... Paul taught it. And so we quote Galatians 6.6. 6, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Um, great, yeah. This has been extrapolated as uh, someone being taught by their professor should bring them a gift. Uh, should should um, they, get, they get a bundle of apples, they should toss them a couple, you know, whatever. Nothing in this context is focused on tithing. It's it's just not even close to that. They also bring up... The next point is, in proportion to how you have prospered. And they quote 1 Corinthians 16.2. So they're quoting 1 Corinthians 16.2 that in support of Paul teaching tithing in the New Testament. So let's go with... Let's just start at the top of 16... 
now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve, send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. And so, based on, uh, I've studied a little bit about the context of this, there were issues in Jerusalem where they needed money. Uh, legal defense for Christians that were persecuted or maybe... Um, Christians couldn't work and they needed uh, money to support themselves for food and shelter this was a very specific need being addressed and this first section of chapter 16 is really saying let's make this orderly you know get the money together and be ready to go so that when I show up you don't have to go around house to house and collect your donations this was really just um, a voluntary giving and it was something that was not necessarily a regular occurrence this was not like a permanent um, tradition set up like hey you know we're always going to pay this amount of money every week but this was for a specific need so there's also no mention of tithe here it's just saying set aside a sum of money and keeping with your income so even in the worst case scenario, if you're to say, yes, this applied to um, New Testament Christians should give, great, but that does not specify an amount. Um, one verse I wanted to get to because it's quite applicable. This is mentioned in a, in a previous section about the pleasure of giving and they quote 2 Corinthians 9 7 um, something that I think is a direct condemnation of um, of the entire concept of the tithe in the New Testament and it's something that they really try to avoid in these textbooks and that I mean they don't really um, get into it in depth but 2nd Corinthians 9 is about generosity encouraging generosity but more importantly if we go down into verse 7 it says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give this is new new international version not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver Pentecostals love to quote the last part of verse 7, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, and in all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work, and blah, 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 blah. But really, they skip over that verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion. Just the fact that someone's saying tithing in the New Testament is taught. Um, you should give because Paul commanded it and Jesus commanded it. And this is a practice that must be followed. And every first day of the week, we need to collect all the money and bring it in. That's compulsion. Like teaching 
that people have to give tithes, it's not supported by any of the references that they provided. It's not supported really um, unless you want to go back to saying, hey, we're all under the law of Moses. And it, you, you can't justify that because the entire point of Christianity is that we do away with the law of Moses and you're, you're going by this, this new uh, covenant. And so, you know, that's, they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to have the law of Moses and, and have all these specific guidelines that don't apply to them while also grabbing onto the new covenant. So just based on this textbook, um, there's, there's horrible misuse of verses and the only way that you could possibly apply them to this idea of tithing the New Testament is if you read into them with this predetermined bias and you're trying to prove a point and you're trying to say this is what we're we want the verses to say and you you have this idea in your head of what you want them to say and then um, you read the verse oh yeah that's that's what it means that backs up my point but if you just read them from an objective standpoint and you want to understand the context and you want to um, properly interpret it, it, it's completely, yeah, there, there's no way to justify it. it it's, so that's just an example of what we're dealing with with these textbooks. But a lot of that, I think, refers back to people want to believe what they want to believe. And very often... If you try to bring someone these points and say, "Hey, look, this is this is taken out of context. Hey, this is wrong," they're not going to listen to you until someone is willing to. They they really want to learn and they want to be objective about it. I I just don't know how to break that concept down. And yeah, I mean. It took a lot for me to leave this. It took a lot for me to to get out from under Pentecostalism. And I think it has to be the willingness of that person to realize, hey, maybe I was misled for all this time. And if they aren't willing to think that, you are really facing an uphill battle um, compared to just, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. Um but I hope that was an informative episode and I'll try not to wait so long until the next one, but I appreciate everyone listening. Have a good one guys. Until next time. Oh, you can say it better than that. Say it again. All right. Listen to the question now. Can God deliver?